0: Welcome to the Servants Heart Chapel Podcast with Pastor Daryl Underwood. We hope you are blessed and encouraged by this week's sermon. Now here's Pastor Daryl. Well, praise the Lord. Here we are in Acts chapter 16. So a lot has happened. At this point, it's it's roughly fifty in the year fifty or fifty-one. And Paul and Silas have already begun their second missionary journey, or Paul's second missionary journey, which began in Acts chapter 15, verse 36, and will continue to chapter 18, verse 22. So we're going to be with Paul in this second missionary journey for a while. The Word says in in chapter 16, verse 1, uh, then he, referring to Paul, went on to Derby and Lystra. Now, you know the Bible wasn't written in chapters, so it's kind of it jumps right into the middle of it. This whole thing, Paul and Barnabas had just parted a the company. They couldn't agree on whether or not to take Mark. Mark. Paul couldn't uh, in good conscience support it. He didn't trust Mark. Barnabas was willing to do that. And so, Barnabas took Mark on on his own journey. Paul uh, uh, picked up Silas and they went off to Derby and Lystra. Both of them are southern cities in Turkey. We're still in Turkey. All this work that Paul had done 2,000 years ago. The people of that area had rejected God at some point, lost their way. It's tragic. Can you imagine the United States a hundred years from now being to a point where you wouldn't have imagined that anything Christian had ever taken place here? That's possible. We saw that in North Korea. So he went on to derby in Lystra, right? <clears throat> Verse 1, where there was a disciple named Timothy, the son of a believing Jewish woman, but his father was a Greek. So it mentions this disciple Timothy. By the way, that's the same young man that the book is named after. Paul wrote a couple of letters to Timothy, and then we now call them 1st and 2nd Timothy. Paul had become a mentor uh, to Timothy as a young Christian. And that's why the 1st uh, and 2nd Timothy are such fantastic reading for young Christians. Anytime someone gets saved and they want to start reading the Bible, often they'll want to begin in Genesis... Which is nothing wrong with that, but I encourage them to to uh, read the Gospel of John first, if they haven't already, to get the a good accounting of, of of the love and the story of Christ and His sacrifice. And then, from after reading John, then go and read First and Second Timothy, because there's so much in there. That's of great value to Christians, or especially for building a strong foundation in the faith. So there's a disciple named Timothy. Now, we call him a disciple, and a disciple is an inherent who accepts instruction given to him and makes it his rule of conduct. So, a disciple is someone who takes instruction and makes it his code of conduct. So, when I ask you today, based on that definition, are you a disciple of Jesus? Do you take Christ's commands and God's word that Jesus himself has blessed and honored as the very word of God, do you take that seriously and apply the commands and principles from the Bible and make it your code of conduct? If you don't, then you are not truly a disciple of Christ. There's a lot of people that call themselves Christians but are not disciples. In 1992, when I first dedicated my life to God, I wanted to read everything in the Bible. I wanted to underline everything I could that applied to my life. I wanted to know what God expected of me. I wanted to make it part of my conduct, my life, my behavior, my thoughts and actions and words and deeds, intentions. I'd been a Christian, I'd called myself a Christian before that, but at that point I was finally a disciple of Jesus. So a disciple named Timothy, he's a son of a believing Jewish woman. She's a believer in Christ. That word the Greek word that that believer in the word believer is translated from literally means dependable, faithful. It gives a lot more meaning to the idea of a believer than just, oh yeah, well, I I I believe in God. It's word service. I believe in Jesus. I believe in the Bible. It's it's I I believe it. I take it seriously enough that I'm going to change, work on changing my thoughts, my, my renewing my mind. That's when you become a believer. That's when a true believer. There's a lot of people that say they believe, just like there are people who say they're Christians and aren't disciples. There are people who say they believe and aren't actually believers. I've had a lot of people over the years I've counseled, and I've had to tell them that they're... they're their actions don't match their words they tell me oh I believe in God oh I believe this is true I believe I should do this I believe I should do that but their actions don't match it and none of them have ever had a good response for me they just they nod or look away because there's no response for that they know it's true They know they're not true believers. They're not dependable. They're not faithful. Faithful to the Lord is what we're talking about. So this this Jewish woman was dependable to the Lord. She was faithful to the Lord. And we're going to see some of that faithfulness shortly. But she's Timothy's mom. His father, though, on the other hand, was a Greek. Didn't say he was a believing Greek, so we assume he didn't believe. There's a lot, of house, a lot of cases where the wife is a believer, the husband is not. And he'll make fun of her. He'll make it hard on her. There's someone listening maybe to the podcast that right now that that is in a situation, a young woman or an older woman who's in a marriage and she's She's trying to be a Christian. Her husband's not a Christian. To, to you, I say, be encouraged. Rely on the Lord. For many, many women who have saved their husbands by their faithful, by their faithful and dependable service to God. What are we talking about? The woman is a true believer, right? So, if Timothy's dad is not a believer, he's a pagan, and his mom was a believer, a true disciple of Christ, how how did Timothy become a disciple? Well, we we actually have an answer for that. First there's the second, we're going to turn real quick to 2 Timothy. 2nd Timothy chapter 3 verse 15 Paul is talking to Timothy and he tells Timothy and you know that from childhood you have known the sacred scriptures which are able to give you wisdom for salvation through faith in Jesus Christ so he's known this from childhood Someone had to teach him. So who taught him? Well, we have an answer for that. In 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 5, where Paul tells uh, Timothy, "...clearly recalling your sincere faith that first lived in your grandmother Lois and then your mother Eunice, and that I am convinced is in you also." So a sincere faith in God. This grandma was a God-fearing woman. And mom saw that. And that impacted her life. And she became a God-fearing woman. And even though dad was a pagan, Timothy saw something in mom that he wanted to be. He wanted to emulate. And Timothy became a God-fearing man. And, and then and then a follower of Christ. Verse 2 in chapter 16 for Acts. The brothers at uh, at Lystra and Iconium spoke highly of him. Timothy had a good reputation. When you when you live. Uh, try to live a life that's Christ like, you generally develop a good reput- reputation uh, among people. Now, there will always be those who will speak evil of you, there will be those who lie about you, but those are usually the exception. As a general rule, people will trust you more than anybody else simply because you are trying to live a Christ like life. So that a good reputation spoke highly of him. Verse 3, Paul wanted Timothy to go with him, so he took him and circumcised him because of the Jews who were in those places, since they were all knew that his father was a Greek. Now, wait a minute. Paul circumcised Timothy? Didn't we just have this discussion that you didn't need to be circumcised to be saved? Well, yeah. Paul didn't do it for salvation. He did it. Because he knew Timothy was Jewish. And he knew the other Jews they would come across, they would have a really hard time with that. Why is Timothy rejecting his heritage? Sometimes we do things for peace. And that's why he did it. Verse 4, As they traveled to the towns, they delivered the decisions reached by the apostles and elders at Jerusalem for them to observe so they they delivered the news on what the apostles decided on what would what was required for salvation and all these things they wanted them to observe now what i thought was cool about that word observe that Greek word that that observe comes from uh, refers to a military guard. The military takes guarding stuff pretty seriously. I remember uh, uh, while well, working on the flight line, I, I just got done with the maintenance flight, and uh, and they were the crew air crew was dropping me off in the helicopter. Uh, and they were going to go take off again and, and do their regular flying. So they they, they stopped on the flight line and got to a parking spot. And I was supposed to exit at the back ramp and, and, and leave the aircraft on the pilot's side, which is the right side for helicopters, for American helicopters. And so I exited, and I'm supposed to keep going until I'm out of underneath the rotor path and so I did that I didn't realize that they hadn't actually parked on a regular parking spot they parked right in the very edge of the flight line and I had what's called broken red to, to get away from the helicopter to a safe area and so uh, once I did that and, and, the, and the helicopter started pulling away I realized I was in a grassy area with A barbed wire uh, covered fence on one side and a red line on the other side. Now, if those of you don't know, red line on the flight line, that's considered a fence. And you're not supposed to break red. You're not supposed to walk over the red line. And having done that, the the, the cops on base were already on me. They had already, as soon as the, the helicopter was leaving, they were pulling up, wondering what's going on why i was in an area of the flight line i could not possibly get in legally and i was wondering how i was going to get out of it and so after discussion they like okay go ahead and break red uh they gave me permission to do that they take you take very seriously they don't mess around and so there's this and and i believe we should take a lesson from that and what God gives us to observe what the Bible gives us to observe we should take that very seriously and not mess around because there's a very real danger and we take that danger all too lightly there's 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 a devil out there that intends to destroy us and we're not powerful enough to beat him We need Jesus. We need to observe what he's told us to do and observe uh, the principles in God's word and observe our own actions, our own mindsets, our own attitudes with the same sincerity and attention to detail that a military guard would when they're guarding something of great value. Verse 5. So the churches were strengthened in the faith, they were strengthened in the faith and increased in number daily. Wow, I'd love that when every day we have more people in our church. But there is strength. We may not be doing that, but one thing we can do that I pray that does happen at Servants Heart Chapel is that we're strengthened in the faith. That every day our faith is goes stronger and stronger. Our faith in Christ and in God's Word. Our trust. Verse six. They they went through the region of Phrygia and and Galatia, and they were prevented by they were prevented by the Holy Spirit from speaking the message in Asia. Isn't that interesting? God said, "I open doors and I close doors," and the door to Asia at that point was closed. We need to be careful when God speaks to us. We need to be careful and take advantage of that opportunity. And repent, if we need to repent, make some changes, whatever we need to do at that moment. Because the devil will tell us, oh you got tomorrow, you got next week. You don't have to repent right now. You can just do what you want to do. And later on you'll get your heart right with God. Later on you'll clear things up. But tomorrow is never promised, for one thing. Also, we see God sometimes closes doors and you may never actually be given the opportunity to repent again. So they were were refrained from speaking the message in Asia, verse 7. Then when they came to Mysia, they tried to go to uh, Bithynia, but the Spirit of Jesus did not allow them once again. No, don't go this way. Go another way. Sometimes the Holy Spirit will keep us from doing things. Keep us from starting new adventures. Keep us from beginning new endeavors, new plans. And it's been my experience that, first off, it's been my experience. I. Uh, sometimes you just know that you're not to go a certain direction. You just know it. God does not want me to go this way. I remember um, a couple of years ago, I was asked to take over as uh, the Ministerial Alliance president for Clovis. And at first, like I was like, sure, I, I, I can do that. But as time went by, and I began, I should have prayed about By, by the way, I should have prayed about it first. I didn't, but they hadn't vote. They hadn't done the vote yet. But as time went by, I, I realized I, my my heart became heavier and heavier about the situation, and I became became more aware that God did not want me to take on that responsibility. And so I kind of called them and said, "Look, you have to find some, another nominee because I can't. I don't feel clear in doing this." So sometimes you just know it. Uh, sometimes circumstances will keep you from uh, from it happening. You just you have this barrier, and, and it can't happen. Sometimes it's, it's whether it's not getting the money you need to make it happen, or some other circumstance. I remember when we were on Mitchell Street, and at, at, at our place on Mitchell Street, the nursery was down the hall from the sanctuary. So whenever uh, a young mother had to go take care of the baby, they went down the hall and they closed the door and they were completely cut off from anything going on in the sanctuary. Well, I didn't like that. They, they, They came to church for a reason, and that's to participate in church. So I began to raise money for a closed circuit video feed where so a, a mother could could she needed to go take care of business in the nursery she could do so and still feel like she's part of the service. Now up to that point, mind you, up to that point, anytime we needed money for something, it just showed up. then. I <laughs> we had a bunch of baby Christians didn't have a dime done to them. But anytime I, I put out there, whether uh, other Methodists are, are uh, the, the Alabama conference was awesome. They were always very supportive. But it was really easy to raise money for stuff. Including the, 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 the mural that we did for the front window, that cost $4,000. And I was a little hesitant to, to, to spend that much on it but Brother Hesham thought it was a good use of money. It like like a, a, an actual church sign would would cost twice that, anyways. So, so and we raised that money quick. But this this uh, closed circuit, all I needed was $1,000 for it. And I had everything I needed to, to do a nice little setup. But I couldn't get the money. It, w- it wasn't coming in. And then, like, a month or so later, we found out we were going to have to move. And the place we moved to, the new, our new location, we didn't need that. So that money would have been wasted. Another time, uh, there was a time when, when Missy and I had so many people to pick up for church, we were using both of our vehicles to make it happen. And I thought, oh, I need a church van. We need a church van. We're, we're getting overwhelmed here. And so I began to pray that God provide us a church van. But it didn't happen. And now, we don't do that. We don't have that need. God knew. And so God will block things through circumstances. Sometimes we don't know the reason why. Sometimes we don't know why God doesn't want us to do things. There's a story about a young woman who had prepared for missionary service on on foreign fields. She went to school. She studied. She was ready to go. She had been appointed by the mission board and, and was ready to sail when she received a telegram saying her sister had died in a western state. So she canceled her reservation and she went home. Her sister had left four little children and there was no one to care for them. So this young woman chose to stay with them and take care of those four kids. Her heart was broken, her dreams had been shattered. She had dreamed of being a missionary and now she would never have a chance to go out for the Lord. However, she felt like this was the right thing to do. She felt like this was the Lord's will and she submitted to the Lord's will and did the best she could do for the children. As they grew up, one by one, these kids came to her saying, Aunt, I feel that God wants me to be a missionary. So instead of one person going out as a missionary because of her faithfulness to God and his call, four went out. She came to see that God's way was the best way. Sometimes that happens. Sometimes circumstances throw a wrench in our plans and we don't know what God has in store. Let's just trust Him. Whenever we know God's will, let's just surrender to it. How can we know God's will? A man by the name of George Mueller, if you haven't read uh, uh, George Mueller's biography, I encourage you to do so. He was an amazing guy. He opened multiple orphanages and just did all kinds of wonderful stuff. And God, and, and George uh, George Mueller never asked for a dime from anybody. He went to God about it and prayed. And people just started sending him money. So uh, uh, Brother Mueller had had six thoughts on finding God's will. That I wanted to share with you today. Number one, surrender your own will. Stop trying to fit God in your plans. And instead, just turn everything over to God and try to find your way in His plans. Number two, don't depend on feelings. Feelings come and feelings go and feelings are deceiving. Feelings, it's wonderful to feel good and we endure when we feel bad but feelings should never direct our decisions for the Lord. Number three, seek the Holy Spirit's will through God's word. Look to the Bible. What does God want me to do? Number four, Note providential circumstances. As I said before, with uh, funding for different projects that I thought were of value to the church, just suddenly there's no no it doesn't happen. You know, it always happened before, things always fell into place, but this didn't happen. That's providential circumstances. Number five, and this is important, they're all important, but this is important. Pray pray about it. It is amazing how many people I've come across have major life decisions and have not really spent, haven't spent any time in prayer and even fewer haven't actually put any real time in prayer uh, let alone fasting in prayer. I I find that mind-boggling. Something so serious and so significant as a life decision and you're not going to put forth effort. You put forth put more time and energy into uh, a game or videos or social media than you would talking to the, 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 uh, the, the, the God and originator of the universe who invites us to pray. <laughs> invites us to bring things to Him. Number six... Brother Mueller suggested we wait. Be patient. I have gotten myself into trouble at times. When I became impatient and I jumped the gun and I jumped into something that God didn't want me into. I don't have bad intentions. We're not talking about sin. We're just talking about foolishness and jumping into things. Wait. Wait for God's leading. And you'll know it when you see it. Can I add one more thing about God's will? If you are a sincere Christ follower and you are interested in serving God and pleasing Him, you can't be out of His will. Because God knows we're not that bright. And He's not going to let us just completely go off track in what His will is for us. You'll fall into it. You'll literally fall into it. A lot of Christians that were concerned about, oh, am I in God's will or not? I've, I've haggled that. Oh, am I in the Lord's will or not? Are you doing right today? Are you living right before the Lord today? Are you living a life that's pleasing to the Lord today? Are you taking advantage of whatever opportunity God gives you to minister to others, to share the gospel, to, to uh, help somebody in need? Then you're in His will. Okay? Okay, we're on verse 8. This is definitely going to be a two-parter. Let me see if I can get to verse 20 today. I don't know. So, bypassing Mysia, they came uh, down to Trous. During the night, a vision appeared to Paul. A Macedonian man was standing standing and pleading with him, cross over to Macedonia and help us. So Paul had this vision, this guy from Macedonia, begging for help. Help us. Verse 10, after he had seen the vision, we immediately made efforts to set out for Macedonia, concluding that God had called us to evangelize them. Now, there's a significant word in this sentence, the word we. This would indicate uh, this up to this point, the writer Luke, Luke the Evangelist, Luke, who was either a Hellenistic Jew or a converted Greek. I tend to think uh, that he was he was not Jewish. Um, but I have nothing to base it on. That's just a gut feeling. So that's just a pure speculation. But Luke. The, the writer of, of the gospel according to Luke, and the writer of Acts, and the guy who hung out with Paul when he was in Rome, during his last days in Rome. Uh, he used the word we. Up at this point, it was they and them, and him. And now it's we. So, at this point, we can we can safely assume that Luke had joined them. They were in Trous. Luke must have been in Trous and so they, they joined them in their missionary journey. And the second significant word is right after that. He said, we immediately. It wasn't later on or we eventually. It w- or even quickly. It was we immediately made efforts to set out for Macedonia. We as Christians need to be prepared to respond to God's call for service. We need to be prepared. Too many Christians are not prepared. Are not ready for God's call to service. They, they, they uh, would be called if it we're not for their finances. They've accumulated so much debt they can't be of service to God. There's some Christians that would be called but they have tied themselves up with so many personal and community obligations that they have no time to be of service to God. There are some Christians who would be called but they have involved themselves in some kind of sin and have either ruined their reputation or to simply have invalidated a qualification for service because of the sin and it would take years to rebuild that if they repented and I hope they do it would take years to rebuild that trust for they were there be ready even at a low level to be ready to be of service to God So let's be prepared to respond. Let's be ready. Let's not let anything hinder us. As Paul talked about, let's lay aside every sin and every weight which easily besets us so we may run the race. Let's get ready to run. So we immediately made efforts to set out for Macedonia concluding that God has called us to evangelize them. And I think I'm going to stop right there, after verse 10. So have a lot more to talk about. The rest of chapter 16, we have a woman's conversion with the Al Gore service, which we didn't even get to today. Then Paul and Silas spend some time in prison, and the jailer gets saved. Some wonderful things happen, and we're going to talk about that uh, next Sunday, Lord willing. Let's stand. Thank you for joining us. If you liked this podcast, then hit the subscribe button. Also take some time to rate us. Feel free to check out our website at servantsheartchapel.org and you can email us at servantsheartchapel at gmail.com. Thanks again and have a blessed week.